This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. Welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name is Rachel Turner, and I'm so glad you decided to join us this week. This week, we're looking at being in the middle and how do you parent when you're in the middle of something emotional. We're answering a question about how do you help your kids uh, connect with each other when it seems like all they do is fight. And uh, in our wildcard section, I interviewed my dad, who was here over Christmas because he was a police officer and wasn't often uh, home in a regular pattern every day. And I know that many of us uh, are in that parenting situation where we either don't see our kids every day, we may be shift workers, we may be in a blended family situation, and yet still want to proactively parent for faith. My dad is going to share some of his tips and wisdom on what he has learned in uh, how to parent for faith when you don't get to see your kid as much as you want. Uh, But first, I wanted to share a bit about, well, I guess what I've been going through this week. Um, About five days ago, uh, I find out that uh, one of my really close friends uh, from university uh, died. Uh, He was having what was supposed to be a routine surgery, and a couple of days after his surgery um, finished, uh, his heart stopped and through all the types of stuff they could do, surgeries and resuscitation, he just, he didn't make it. And so he has a five-year-old daughter and he was one of those people who were the best of us. You know, you have your friends and he was the person everyone wants to be like. And, uh, and that's been really tough for me this week. I have, well, I guess done what everybody does in the middle of grief, which is not really know how you're processing grief. Everybody processes grief differently in different stages and weird bits. And so I've gone from highly emotional crying on the phone with my friends to uh, completely numb uh, to feeling guilty, you know, the whole range. And I'm sure it will still continue. And yet, and I'm sure you have experienced different types of grief in your life too. And, And you know that feeling of being in the middle. You just don't quite know what you're feeling. Uh, And yet you still have to get on with life and you still have to parent and you still have to go to work and you still have to figure stuff out. And and I think there's an opportunity here. One, because it's really hard to hide this kind of stuff from your kid. And two, because at some point they're going to experience unexpected grief. At some point they're going to have to figure out how to be in the middle of, of... experiencing a shock and experiencing grief and still needing to get on with life and and God is in the middle of that mess and if we can figure out how to do that in the middle I think we're giving our kids a big gift Um, because God is in the middle and I want my kid to know that God is in the middle with him and so uh, this week has been messy for me and and how I've been doing it really is just um, trying to explain the unexplainable and let him know how I am in the middle. And so uh, he was. we were talking about our days. What did you do? What did you do? And I told him I found out that my friend uh, died. And I am kind of shocked and kind of numb and kind of really upset. And I don't quite know how I feel. And 
and he and he sort of said that he was sorry and sort of patted my arm and it was it was very kind and sweet and and I realized that that just letting my kid know where I am uh, is helpful to him but was so helpful to him is to hear what I'm doing with God about it and how he can help so not only did I share this is what happened and this is how I'm feeling uh, but then I just went on to say so it may mean that I look a bit spaced out sometimes it may mean that I'm spending a bit more time on my own because in my head I'm chatting to daddy god and I'm telling him how I feel and I'm telling him how confused I am and I'm telling him how sad I am and I'm telling him all the different kinds of feelings that are coming up because in grief you you don't really know grief is like a it's like splashing the top of a bathtub and all the waves go everywhere and all the splashes everywhere you can't really predict how it's gonna go and and it's like it's like my heart got punched and all of my emotions are splashing everywhere and God's the only one who knows how to process all of that with me and so he's teaching me about my heart and he's he's giving me space to talk to him and so I'm probably going to be spending a bit more time with God this week and that's exactly where I need to be. And then I wanted my kid and my family to feel powerful within that. So it's not just, I'm going to go away and hide with God. So I was saying, so what I really need is I need some extra cuddles and loves. And uh, I want to laugh with you lots. And um, and you could ask me this question, how are you doing right now, mom? And I'll give you the real honest answer. And I'll let you know what God's doing. And I'll let you know where I am. And I just appreciate you being in my life and your love and your giggles and your fun and your normalness. And I need to hear all about your day because otherwise I can go too far in my head. So please share with me what's going on in your life because that gets me out of my head and into the most important space, which is focusing on the people I love right now. And that's how I did it. That's how I did it in the middle. And so throughout this week, I've been in the middle and uh, my kid has been able to ask, you know, how are you doing? And I could say, oh, I had a good half hour in the morning just grumping at God. <laughs> and uh, and he can say, do you want to play? And I say yes, and we can go on with our life. And And it normalizes grief, and it normalizes pain, and it normalizes who God is in the midst of it. Uh, because it's okay to be in the middle. And when we model that for our kids... It gives our children an opportunity to know how to cope with the middle for themselves because God is in the mess and God is in the middle. And it's a beautiful thing to be able to walk the middle uh, with the God who says he walks through the valley of the shadow of death with us and that he uh, guides us and his right hand is on our backs and he draws close to the brokenhearted and all of those promises I get to experience in the middle. And I am grateful for that. So if you were in the middle of grief, if you were in the middle of a surprise or a shock, if you were in the middle of something that has caused your heart to get punched and your emotions to splash everywhere, uh, it's okay to share that with your kids. I would just encourage you to share them not only what you're feeling, but how you and God are walking it and what they can do to, um, to respond to your season so that they can be a part of what God is doing in your life. Um, yeah, so that's me this week. <laughs> next week, it'll be something different. Uh, so I think the next section is questions.
Right. I love this name that this uh, person put on this. Uh, the name is just Tired Mum of Small Children. <laughs> oh, I feel you. I feel you. You can hear a whole nation going, amen. Uh, right. So the question is, my kids fight all the time and I lose it with them. I just can't make them love each other. And I find that interesting. There's there's two different pieces in this. Um, first of all, I just want to thank you for sharing that. It's uh, It can be quite uh, vulnerable to say that you'll lose it with your kids, uh, but you are not alone. You are a mom of small children and you are doing great. And hear my voice, you are doing great. Your kids are alive and they are fed and it seems that they are functioning. So good job. Uh, there are two things here. One, what do you do when you lose it? And two, what do you do when you can't make them love each other? The first thing, when you lose it, you can just apologize. It's so useful for kids um, who are on a spiritual journey to see what it looks like for someone to mess up because that is normal life. And uh, we mess up and we ask for forgiveness and God comes in and helps our hearts and we move on and we get better. And to model that for our kids is so useful to say, this is what happens when you mess up. You don't just come and begrudgingly roll your eyes and say, sorry, and walk away. You actually come back and you say, I see it from your perspective. I'm so sorry. That must have been really scary when I yelled. And I don't want that for our connection. I don't want you to be scared of me. I want you to always feel loved and connected to me. And I'm sorry I broke that connection um, by yelling at you. Uh, please forgive me. Uh, that that really helps because they see that's how you apologize. That's how you rebuild connection after conflict. And that ties in to me with the second part of your question, which is I just can't make them love each other. No, you can't control your children's emotions. That is correct. But you can help them figure out how to have a relationship that um, can be a blessing to each other. And uh, I think often with siblings, we spend most of our time uh, negotiating behaviors. Do this, stop doing that, don't touch her, move over there. And it feels like we're just wrangling behavior. And every once in a while, it really helps to stop and have conversations about our hearts. Because in essence, you're discipling your kids in how to have a, a healthy relationship with somebody else. Uh, and it might not be the closest relationship in the world, but it is a basic relationship with them. And you can talk about one, what's happening in ourself when that person, when my brother took my toy, I got so angry, I just wanted to hit him. Well, that's a emotion that we all have in common and to help coach them through what do you do when you have those emotions because when you're so filled with rage that you want to hurt somebody else that's a really interesting thing that happens to your heart and what does it do to your relationship when you choose to act out of your anger rather than a, a conversation rather than trying to sort it out between them what happens to your heart when you're willing to hurt somebody else and how do you feel, how's your connection? And how do you fix that? How do you fix that relationship when you've done something that has broken your trust and broken your connection? And for the other person, you can talk about when you took that, um, when you took your sister's toy, uh, it made her feel very powerless. And that's an awful feeling to feel powerless. And, uh, and that makes people feel very protective. And so how can you do something that can share our power and we can take take care of each other's hearts so that we can learn to live peacefully next to each other? Um, when you can help them process what's going on in their own hearts and help them fix the relationship with each other, that can be really helpful. Rather than us just coming in and sorting out the decision 
uh, part of the discipline can be that now we need to fix our mess. We need to fix our physical mess of when we've tipped over things and spilled things, but we also need to fix our relational mess. And right now, your relationship with each other is in a bit of a mess. So how are you going to fix that? How are you going to rebuild trust? How are you going to fix your hurt feelings so that we're not brooding on those and letting those eat away at our heart? We need to fix this mess too. And making that part of our conversation and part of the walking out process of conflict can be really helpful. You, you can't make them love each other. And it doesn't have to be every time that you work this out. But it is helpful in conversation to help them learn how to manage their own hearts and manage their relationships when you have the energy. Uh, and sometimes it can be very long after the conflict. Sometimes just sort out the behavior and then at bedtime have the conversation. Uh, but those conversations are really helpful to, uh, to call back to memory those things because then you can head it off. Uh, so next time someone's taking someone's toy and someone's getting rageful, you can say, oh, it looks like you're getting rageful. How are you going to cope with that? Or, oh, excuse me, uh, we let everybody have power in this family. Please uh, take back. How can you use both of your powers well to, um, to make good decisions to share this? So we're taking care of everybody's heart in relationship. Today's wild card is actually something really special. Um, many times uh, I hear uh, people who are concerned about how often they see their kids, whether uh, you have a blended family, whether it's shift work, whether you just work away from home and don't see your kids every day. Uh, there can be a, a worry for a lot of us of, of if I don't get to see my kid, how can I spiritually influence them or coach them? We know that connection is key to spiritual influence and often connection comes through just being together. And for those of us who who don't get that everydayness of life, how do we build connections so that our spiritual influence can grow? And how do we um, use the most of our time we have either together and separately, actually? My dad was a police officer, which meant that I often didn't see him for days. And, uh, and it was quite difficult to find a life pattern that meant it was together. And he was over for Christmas. And uh, so I thought I'd sit down and ask him uh, what wisdom he had for you on how he as a parent tried to work out being a shift worker and a parent who really wanted to spiritually invest in the life of his Here, child. Flippy Whippy here is turned off. Nobody hey. should call no, me. Who's going to call that? <laughs> so my dad is a decorated police officer over 20 years on the force. Um, he is American. Uh, you'll hear my accent. I feel like it's more American when I talk to him. So <laughs> you'll hear that. Uh, he trains in the police academy. He's uh, an amazing guy. We love laughing together. And uh, I just sat him down. So here is a, a conversation I had with my dad about uh, the wisdom he has for people who don't get to do the every day, all day with their kids. Because you are working shift work, it, it's hard. So there's just different things that I've found. Uh, first, I must prepare myself. I always felt as a Christ follower, follower, you must be ready yourself for service. So I always made sure that every day I read the Bible to prepare my heart. And I did that by, since I worked shift work, the, whatever breakfast, whatever time breakfast was, I'd always try to make sure I'd read the Bible. 
uh, before breakfast. Is that when I would see you read? So I remember at like 2 o'clock in the morning uh-huh. waking up when my bedroom was off the kitchen and yeah. seeing you read the Bible. And for some reason in my head, I always thought it was after you came home, but it was in the breakfast, wasn't well, it? Well, that, that, then there's never, on a shift work, no, nothing's ever the same. <laughs> so, so yeah, so sometimes I would you know, read in the morning, but then sometimes... Uh, because I'm drinking coffee while I'm patrolling in the police car, I'm wide awake when I come home at two in the morning. Right. So to uh, also it could have been a hard call, uh, you know, calls dealing with uh, children being hurt, or uh, you know, I dealt with all sorts of uh, of crimes. Right. To get that out of my head, I would read the Bible so that God would comfort me in my heart, so that it wouldn't uh, that garbage uh, or the. Uh, it wouldn't carry on to the next yeah. day. So, yes, I would try and read in the, in the morning, but uh, sometimes I also taught at the academy. Sometimes I'm working around the house. The honeydew list never gets any shorter. <laughs> Even on shift work, huh? Even on shift work. In fact, they're going, hey, you're home alone. You can do this. See you know, how that works. Because of shift work is I just had to plan times of togetherness with my family. So... Uh, I would try and take, uh, because I go to work at three in the afternoon or 1500 hours, that I would try and take uh, uh, Rachel to uh, lunch uh, once or twice a week. Her favorite was uh, Taco Bell, two bean burritos, extra onions, and a milk. Not extra onions. Huh? No onions. No onions. No I'm onions. Sorry, I thought it was extra onions. <laughs> I guess that was my burrito. <laughs> So, uh, so I try and take her to lunch. Sometimes we go to breakfast. Sometimes I just snatch her up and we'd uh, go get a donut. So yeah, sometimes I'd bring her lunch and we'd talk. Sometimes I'd uh, we'd go out to eat. Uh, there was a time where I actually got to work in the area of her school, so I'd uh, come by with her lunch and we'd eat lunch over the hood of a police car, which our police officers do. I forgot about that. You did. Yes. So that was quite exciting, and then she felt uh, oh so. Uh, big uh, because of that. The third thing is to to live, or excuse me, uh, part of that same thing is make sure that I live an honest Christ follower life in front of my children. Make sure that I'm praying. Uh, even though I worked uh, sometimes graveyard uh, or late swings where I get home at uh, zero, 0200 hours in the morning, I would still be up four hours later to go to church. And so only still with only four hours sleep, I still wind up in church. Whether or not I was listening as well as I should is a different thing, but at least my daughter knew that church was important, God was important, and that uh, we were there together as a family. So that uh, I didn't know that. I always thought, interesting, well, I guess that you created a good enough window that I always thought you really wanted to go to church. And it baffled me why you would wake up four hours afterwards to right. get to church. Right. And I was even just, though you fell asleep during almost every sermon, sorry. I don't remember that part. <laughs> I, I just I it was so powerful to me in my life that 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 tiredness wasn't an excuse you know there was it was it it did make a massive impact to me it was worth all of those sleepless right. nights what about your sneaky stuff so I don't know I don't know if you remember this but but we had all of these like great one to one times which I think was really valuable because it meant that even though I wouldn't see you for three days, I knew that I would then have lunch with you on Thursday or something. So it, it always felt like I was going to have special time. I wasn't, I wasn't struggling to get time with you. But you used to do these sneaky things that I don't, uh, that I don't know if you knew you did, like the notes. Do you remember the post-it notes? 
Yes, I would leave post-it notes. Usually, again, as a law enforcement officer, I see the worst of society. And so I would leave notes for my child, like thanking her for being a good kid, thanking her for not being out late at night, uh, thanking her for not using drugs, thanking her for listening to me. Uh, so it's all these type of things that... Uh, as because I see the worst in society, I'm thankful to God that my child wasn't doing those things, at least without me catching her at it. And then that way that I could uh, would just reinforce good behavior by by notes or uh, or letters to her. It was really it was really powerful. I love that one because it sort of gave me a little window into what kind of night you must have had. You know, when I when I come home to these little notes. Um, it it would just think, wow, you had a bad day, and yet you came home and wanted to connect with me, even though I was sleeping. So I just wake up to a post-it note on my door, which I just absolutely loved. But it also meant that I felt very connected to you, like emotionally. So um, I remember the reason I didn't have sex as a teenager before I like really had decided what I wanted was mom would kill me and it would make you cry. And I remember, th- remember thinking that that was it. I, I just can't have sex for marriage. My dad would cry, and I just couldn't do that to him because I'd get these little notes. Thank you for still being a virgin. You're so precious to me. Or, you know, check the backseat of your car. Uh, all of these notes. And it, it just, um, uh, there's this thing that my choices affect you, and you're grateful for my choices. And that was really powerful to me. Well, thank you very much, Rachel. You've been a great kid. <laughs> Thanks. Um there was also a sneaky thing. You used to pray out. I remember in the middle of the night waking up and your hand would be on my back in the middle of the night and you'd be praying for me um, out loud. Why, when you knew I was sleeping, would you pray out loud over me? It was important, I think, for, for me to hear my own thoughts. Uh, that was a thing. And also there's something very powerful about praying out loud that... Uh, you're reaffirming to God that that He listens, uh, so that's why I do pray out loud. Uh, it has nothing to do with a um, religious religiousosity that I have. Uh, it's just making sure that that I was praying for my daughter and that that God was listening. And so it's a one-on-one with God, but then also I'm praying for my child. Did you know that I was awake during some of those times? No, not at all. Because that those were some of my most precious moments and memories is of laying there and waking up in the middle of the night, feeling your hand on my back and hearing all of your hearts cry to God about me. It was really, um, really formational, I think, for me, because then I, I knew what you were saying to God behind my back, I guess. And it was wonderful. So thank you. Um, so I hope you've been encouraged by that. Um, my dad's very wise and uh, has uh, incredibly helped me in growing up to be who I am. And so I just wanted to encourage you, if you're a shift worker, if you um, don't see your kid every day, there are many, many ways you can still be incredibly significant in the spiritual life of your child. Uh, so uh, enjoy and uh, invest because it is absolutely worth it. Thank you, Daddy, for being interviewed. Thank you, Rachel. And finally, a question to get an interesting conversation started with your kid, following on from what my dad was saying about building connection, because we know from the Care for the Family research that through building connection with our kids, that's where the sort of um, influence, spiritual influence flows. And so ask this question of your individual children, 
What is one thing you wish we did more of, just you and me? Have a really great week, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight-session course, to get in touch, or to find out about training and events near you. Music